2: this, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your
0: radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome in, Sports Talk Mississippi, on a Tuesday afternoon. The Dream Team Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. And Brian Scott Rippey with you. We've got a ton of sports to get to this afternoon. A bunch of NFL content coming your way. A crucial, crucial basketball game for Mississippi State tonight. We've also got baseball across the state. I've got a very funny, dumb criminal news story for you. But we need to start with this right here. Because sometimes, uh, more than sometimes, quite frequently you hear, especially from one of the two guys at A to Z sports on this show talking Titans or maybe Tennessee sports or um, the national predators occasionally come up on this show. There is a connection with a lot of you here in this state in the city of Nashville. I have uh, very close friends, uh, a few of the groomsmen in my wedding actually uh, live in Nashville and the SEC tournament there, uh, is coming up here very soon. There's a lot of connections between the people here in Mississippi and the city of Nashville. And last night, as all of you probably already know, uh, that city, uh, I guess, just north of downtown is is where this tornado passed. A devastating twister went through uh, the greater Nashville area last night. The last death total I saw was uh, up over 20 now. And, and the images of areas that you recognize if you've ever been to the city places that you've probably been uh, are just surreal and so if you or anybody you know were impacted by the storm I know I had to make a few uh, messages this morning to to check on my friends that live there and um, the the panic that I felt inside when I was checking on some friends uh, was was hard uh, for me to feel and I'm not there so I you can only imagine Uh, what the people of that city are going through so uh, I I can speak I believe for the two Bryans here and say that uh, if you know anybody or are connected to that devastation in any way uh, we are thinking about you and and of course uh, our thoughts and everything that comes with that are with the city of Nashville if you want to help there are multiple ways you can help Uh, they are Uh, going to immediately begin the rebuilding process Uh, and there are multiple avenues and and donation places uh, that you can contribute if you are so inclined. So with that, uh, I'll bring these two guys in uh, as um, we try to continue on this afternoon, knowing uh, the the devastation that happened uh, just a few hours from where we sit. So just devastating stuff in Nashville, guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, awful. And, uh, you know, obviously here in Mississippi we're no strangers to severe weather. We know, we've seen it many, many times. So, like you said, thoughts and prayers, will be with them. And anything, that, you know, if, if you guys uh, out there in Twitter land, you know, some send us some links uh, of stuff you want to retweet as far as getting, uh, you know, some help to those people, we'll be more than happy to get that stuff out there with you.
3: Absolutely definitely a very scary situation it uh, I saw a lot of the photos this morning. I didn't actually know much about it last night but grandparents live in Nashville definitely woke up worried but uh, luckily they were not very affected by much but definitely thinking about all the people that were
1: and Greg and Nedelton says his sister was right there in the middle of it last night. God answers prayers she's safe her backyard and fence got blown over but that was it so that's good news Greg and uh, glad. Everybody is safe. So uh, we're thinking about uh, all the folks there in Nashville, and uh, as we transition to things that are uh, seemingly far less important, uh, we'll talk some sports this afternoon, and we'll start with the the story of the day, at least here in Mississippi. In my opinion, is this basketball game coming up uh, for Mississippi State. They're in Columbia playing the Gamecocks, a team that had that very similar situation As far as needing a win desperately if they want to make the NCAA tournament. So, South Carolina's in the same boat as Mississippi State. And quite simply, as you've been saying for two weeks, you have to win this game.
0: Yeah, you know, South Carolina, obviously a little further down the bubble. I don't know that they're in any, uh, you know, last four out, next four out, anything like that. But at the same time, you know, they could finish these last two games and then try to find a way to maybe get a couple in Nashville and have a chance to, to, you know, make a statement. Um, South carolinas they're a tough matchup for Mississippi State because they're a big physical team. That's norm—that's normally what Mississippi State does to teams is they are just the bigger, stronger team. Uh, that's not the case when you play South Carolina. And so for State tonight to, to be able to go on the road and, and have a chance to, to win this game with your tournament hopes, more or less on the line, this really feels like an elimination game for me for Mississippi State. What was the...
1: The difference.
0: Hey, because we were talking
1: about that going into the last time these two teams played each other, that Mississippi State was going to have to match, uh, if not exceed South Carolina's physicality, and they did that.
0: It was do and He was the difference maker in that game. Probably his offensively his best game of the season. He had 14 points in that game uh, was, and, and was able to do the things that normally Reggie Perry, you would count on him for, but he was sort of neutralized in that game. Um, so, you know, that's 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 why I have concerns about this game because I don't know that you can count on a do to do those kind of things again. So if Perry is neutralized, points are going to have to come from somewhere. And I wouldn't say that Tyson Carter is that somewhere because I think you're sort of already counting on him to deliver a little bit tonight. So somebody like Woodard, Nick Weatherspoon, maybe a DJ Stewart needs to step up tonight if Reggie Perry has the same problems he had a couple weeks ago in Startville.
1: What holds Adu back offensively?
0: I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, you know, he's got he's got a decent skill set to to play down low. You know, he's got a little bit of a hook shot. Um, you know, he can. He's tough. He's just. You know, there just some players are just not. They just don't have a nose for scoring. You know, he's a great defensive player. Uh, provides rebounds. Provides interior defense. Does a lot he's one of those you know, the cliche of does does things that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. Here's some of that for his, for sure. But uh with him I I don't know why he's not a better scorer, but that said, he has shown in the past he can be a scorer when you need him to be.
1: Looking at uh, some of the gambling trends in this game, are you surprised that 68% of the public money is on South Carolina minus 2?
0: No. No, South Carolina's tough at home. State's been bad on the road. This game was a three-point game in Starkville. You know, you're switching venues here. I, I I could see taking South Carolina,
1: and for whatever it's worth, 69 nice percent is on the over of 147. I, I found a couple of these kind of funny. So both teams are exactly five and five straight up and against the spread against each other in the last ten. So a very evenly matched last few games between these two.
0: It really has been. Frank Martin and Ben Hallen have have really, yeah. You know, that's a, that's been a series that for the past few years State has played. A couple of games against South Carolina—they've been one of the teams states played twice. So you know you've had a lot of these matchups, and they have all been like this. They've all been—they've all felt like you know cage fights.
2: What
1: is it about Frank Martin? Because I mean, they made a Final Four (laughs) team, but (laughs) I guess it's kind of a tough question if if you've ever uh, um, actually like been to a game in which he's coaching. Uh, Just. And as Richard will tell you, I don't get the behind-the-scenes stuff that he does, so I'll I'll just yeah. take his word for it. Apparently, the, the players themselves just absolutely love this guy, but you better love being coached hard, or at least yeah. be able to be receptive to being coached hard. I've never heard anything like that in my life.
0: I mean, and, and talking with us in the media, he is the most one of the most professional coaches, answers every question, is really a – A nice guy, but at the same time, I've heard, you know, in Starkville, the lock, the visitors' locker room is just down from the media room. So when when something loud is happening in there, be it a a joyous uh, visitor or an angry one, you can hear that. And I remember, I think it was last season, Frank Martin. You could hear him. You could hear the paint peeling off the walls in there. And but then he came in the in the the media room and was just calm and cool and collected. I mean, that's just his his style. It is interesting when you when you look at his record at South Carolina, and he had that tremendous season with the final four appearance but that's his only tournament appearance in columbia the only one so you know people talk about that program and it's a good program they're winning more than they're losing but it's not like he's been a year in year out you know uh competitor in the ncaa tournament but at the same time it doesn't feel like there's any push at south carolina to to move on from him so just a a good coach not a great coach but his team's play hard and they they're tough at home and they're they're a tough matchup uh, whoever you are.
1: Yeah, local media there starting to kind of push the he should be on the hot seat card. I wonder how much capital a final four appearance gives you.
0: Well, I mean, you can ask Richard Williams. I mean, he uh he he was gone what 2 years after his final four appearance. So, you know, not I wouldn't say that much. I I Four, you've been there eight years and you only have one tournament appearance, and yeah, it's a great one. That's good that you went to the Final Four, but that's that's you should be. I, I don't think it's it's. I don't feel like I'm saying that South Carolina is a Duke or a North Carolina or a Kentucky by saying they should be going to the tournament more than once every eight years. South Carolina, for what it's worth, is eleven and
1: five at home this year. Mississippi State three and six on the road. Mississippi State though is ten and five against the spread. So if you're getting two points for the Bulldogs. Trends say that may not be a bad choice. However, South Carolina also 10-5 against the spread in their last 15. So an evenly matched physical matchup coming up. We'll talk about this game a few more times throughout the day. we got your poll question coming up here in a second. Baseball coming up tonight. A whole lot of NFL content uh, for you as well. Jameis Winston looking for a new home. The Saints going to draft... Oh, no. They're going to draft Jake (laughs) Fromm? Uh, we'll give like you all the details <laughs> we'll be right back at Sports Talk Mississippi the poll question today at least the first one is quite simply how confident are you in Mississippi State getting a win tonight in Columbia very confident kinda or not at all so hey dad what do you think How, if I told you or asked you how confident you were in the Bulldogs getting a win where would you fall
0: Somewhere between kinda and not a, not at all, I picked state to lose this game on the uh, Thunder and Lightning podcast. I just you know You're I know so they had negative. a good game. How dare you? I, I, that's what they. I, made, I built a brand on that, Michael. All right, please don't ask me to change. I'm too old. Um, I thought that uh, you know they they haven't been consistent on the road this year. They have a couple of good wins, Arkansas and Missouri, the past few weeks. But South Carolina is just a bad matchup. This was a close game in Starkville. I, I, I'm going to take the home team here. Uh, but that said, if State wins, I won't be surprised. They're, they're, I think State's the better team. I just think this is a bad matchup, to, and you're playing it on the road.
1: Other things going on here in the state. You've got a baseball game tonight, uh, Rippy. Memphis coming to Ole Miss. They got a a series sweep over, I can't remember, last weekend, and it's not worth remembering because if you can help me out, um, you're not going to learn too much about games where they're beating opponents by Uh, I don't know, scores of 20-8. to So Memphis coming to town tonight, what do you know about the Tigers, and uh, what can you expect here?
3: Not much, but Jackson Kimbrell is starting for Ole Miss. He's a left-hander. He's kind of in that group of bullpen arms for Ole Miss, particularly probably even a little more valuable from the left side that Mike Bianco kind of wants to figure out what he has in him and would love to be able to kind of trust a couple more guys in some high-leverage situations on the weekend. younger guy in a right-handed heavy bullpen could be pretty invaluable, so I'm kind of interested to see what he does tonight.
1: Anything else uh, that you're looking for? I mean, I know at this point they've won 10 in a row and and all that good stuff, but really Ole Miss has passed all of their uh, non-conference tests. It's more just finding a way to get to sec play unscathed and healthy what is there anything that you can learn from a game tonight are there anybody else that you expect to see on the mound that could be contributors down the road anything like that
3: i mean you could possibly see drew mcdaniel some i imagine you'll see a, a couple of different guys that haven't gotten many innings pitched tonight so sure on that front and then probably still trying to figure out some outfield stuff what fits best what doesn't as they head into sec play next week
1: and we we're exchanging. I haven't messages. seen the
3: lineup yet, but I imagine they might tweak some things and give some guys some opportunities. But uh, I don't think a lineup's come out yet.
1: We were exchanging texts earlier today. I just assumed the game was at four o'clock. So those are done, huh? I mean, I guess the calendar turns to March, and we don't have these four o'clock on a workday start times for baseball anymore.
3: That is exactly what it is, because it's never cold in March. It's only cold in February, so they are moving them to 630. And that's only true at Ole Miss. There's still 4 o'clock games to come at Mississippi State.
1: Well, at least we're getting the uh, daylight savings thing on Sunday. Yeah. Right? That's Sunday. Is it Sunday? I believe so. I think you spring Spring forward? forward on Sunday, yeah. All right, cool. It is starting to get a little bit lighter. It's not that just extremely depressing, just pitch black when I leave the office now. I mean, like, the sun's still up yeah. for at least the drive home, and so uh, uh, maybe that will help. So those, uh, there's your basketball game, there's your baseball game coming up tonight. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can. 601 879 on the C Spire text line. Dave says he's kind of confident, uh, and that seems to be the uh, – the majority of the poll is either kind of or not at all. Mississippi State fans, in fact, 50% of them are not at all confident in their team getting a win tonight. But they found a way just the last few games to keep plugging along and keep their head above water. What I can't figure out, and I know we've talked about this, but this is the conversation this time of year, is how they win games and move back in bracketology. Did you see that? So Joe Lenardi... Mississippi State, after the win on Saturday, fell in his bracketology, yeah. and I understand how it works, but still, that kind of blows my mind. Is if you've got this team in the next four out or the the last four out, they win a game and they fall to the next four out. I, I don't follow that.
0: Yeah, especially when you win a road game. You know, it'd be one thing if you want a game at home against an absolutely terrible team, but you want a road game against a conference opponent. It really is something with state and, and the way the brackets are playing out this year. That state could finish fourth in the SEC, get the double. Well, I mean, in reality, state is one game out of second. They could finish second if things go wrong for LSU and for Auburn, and they might not make it. That that is a real indictment of. You know, I, I understand how bracketology works. I Understand how RPI and the net. I, I get it, really, I do, but. If you're second place in the SEC, you really sh- you really feels like you should be a tournament
3: team. The first place team in the Pac-12, UCLA, I saw has a worse net than the last place team, Washington.
1: See, that doesn't wow. make any yeah. sense to me. It'll it doesn't make, make sense, a ton yeah. of sense
3: to me either. But I mean, it is it's not the end all be all, it's just a tool. Right. But still, right, right. it still doesn't make it, I mean, that doesn't mean it's a valuable one. It still doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. How much weight do
1: they put on the net? Have you guys gotten a gauge or have any idea?
3: We only have one year of
0: it. I really have no. Yeah, idea. Yeah, only one year. State last year in the net was in the mid twenties, and they ended up being a five seed. So I mean, I don't know if that, if that's a, a good thing or a bad thing as far as you know the power of the net rankings. But I don't know.
3: It's, it's, I it's don't remember Ole Miss was last year. I think they were like yeah. high forties, and it did, I don't. I actually, I'm and they were an eight, and that. they I were an eight remember. seed. So if they, if that's accurate, yeah.
1: UCLA sitting at eighteen and eleven right now is 76 in the net. Washington, at UCLA, as Rippy said, first in the Pac-12. Washington, last in the Pac-12. 13 and 16 are number 70 in the net. A system that reward. See, I guess it's... Talking out of both sides of my mouth. It's important that you play good teams in the non-conference. I agree with that. It makes college basketball better. I think we can all agree that it's good that you play a good non-conference schedule. But if you're... Those those games in November shouldn't matter more than your conference games, should they? Or am I misguided here?
0: Well, that's what the net is, is set up to, to give you, that every game sort of is the same for you. That conference games should matter more. They should, but...
1: Michael in Poplarville asks, why Ole Miss continues to play Memphis in any sports? I'm not buying the recruiting myth that you hear about on message boards and stuff. I'll let Rippey... Um, answer this further, but I can tell you Michael, with baseball, uh, they just need to field a schedule. Um, I I highly doubt Ole Miss is playing Memphis because Mike Bianco feels like he needs to go to Memphis and play them to recruit. You've just got to build a schedule and you have to do that with teams within your close proximity. Baseball does not have the travel budgets and capability that basketball and football does. You can't just play Arizona on Tuesday in, in baseball. You've got to play somebody that can get on a bus and drive to you and drive home in the same day. So that's why you see Alcorn State and Memphis and Arkansas State every single year on these schedules because they're teams that can get to you and play you on a Tuesday night. You also, you also get, get the return
3: you, game at AutoZone Park in front of a pretty big alumni base. Exactly. It provides
0: you a road a road game that is not a road game.
1: And in basketball, I think you can actually get a recruiting advantage playing them and beating them in basketball.
0: I agree with I agree with that, but you have to beat them. You do.
1: Or you just have to hope the NCAA comes in and decimates them, which that either could, way yeah. that, that could happen. I'm with you though. I don't think you can gain much by playing them in football because as you learned, if you beat them, nobody cares because you're supposed to beat Memphis and then they can turn around and beat you as we learned right. last football season.
0: The only positive is sort of what we just talked about. You get a road game that is easily manageable for your fan base that you should be able to take. I mean, when Ole Miss plays at Memphis, and Mississippi State's playing there, I think two years from now, and that should be a crowd where you can take 20,000-plus. For sure.
1: And I think both Ole Miss and Mississippi State should use New Orleans more. I know State did. I mean, you had that game with uh, ULL, excuse me, Louisiana. Um, right. Uh, earlier this year, but don't just play Tulane there. If you're going to do neutral site games, try to use New Orleans more. I don't know. That's just and, me. And I'll,
0: go ahead. Again, state has state has Tulane on the schedule in the next couple of years, and that game will actually be played at uh, Tulane's new on-campus stadium.
1: It's a really nice place.
0: Have, have not? I've never been to Tulane. I've only I've seen State play Tulane into the Superdome. Never been on campus though.
1: It's in a really cool part of the city. People What's rag Uptown, on, right? Yeah, and people rag yeah. on New Orleans. And I, I swear, the people that rag on the city have only ever been to like the three blocks of the French Quarter that include Bourbon Street.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. I'm a little. I'm getting a little old for Bourbon Street. I, I, I'm just a nice, quiet bar where I can have my my ice cold beer and some boudin balls, and and I'll be perfectly happy in New Orleans. Yeah, without a
1: person shoving a three-for-one sign in your face or slapping Correct. you on the behind as you walk by. like When I was 19, that was cool. Now I'm with you. Just
0: I'm, get, too old. I'm too old. Get
1: me somewhere quiet. But if you get a chance to go, you'll go, obviously. But if you're listening and you get a chance to go, don't let anybody tell you about New Orleans being gross and stop you from making that trip. Because that campus and that part of the city is incredible and uh, worth going to. I agree. Again, you want to be a part of the show, you can. A couple more texts as we move along. We will get to those. And then look at this Saints potentially drafting Jake. I can't even say it uh, out loud without getting frustrated. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back in on a Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borke. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you we got a question here on the text line. We'll uh, get to all of these first and then continue on with the mock draft conversation. At least a new one that came out that has Jake Fromm going to the Saints. So, ugh, we'll get to that, but want to get to your text
0: first. I am not You're happy just, about this. Your disgust know. is palpable. Oh, It's just such a bad
1: decision. Anyway, uh, we'll start from uh, the 6 one Have they moved the Mississippi State Southern Miss game... For tomorrow night. That's one of the Pearl games. I'm planning on being there. Hopefully uh, the weather cooperates. But, hey, Dad, I don't think there's been any movement on that just yet.
0: No movement on that game. Looked at the forecast just a minute ago. I mean, t- tomorrow is supposed to be a 100% chance of rain in Jackson. So won't be completely surprised if it's moved, canceled, whatever. But as of nothing, as of now, nothing has been done. All right.
1: I hope it does. I'm really looking forward to uh, to going to that game. I don't get to go to these Pearl games near enough uh, for my liking. I My first couple of years at Super Talk, I didn't miss one. And then because of when they start and being up here and all of that, I've not been able to go. That's something that I wish, and it's never going to happen because the atmospheres around here at the home games are too good to pass up. But I would love maybe just one time for... Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and then add Southern Miss into the mix and play weekend series where you have one in Oxford, one in Starkville, one in Pearl, just like Clemson and South Carolina do. I know it's not going and to happen. I would love you could have to one see in that Hattiesburg
0: happen. Too. You could have one in Hattiesburg, too. I mean, that, that's a perfectly good Yeah, Starkville, Hattiesburg, Pearl. I would like to see a round-robin kind of thing with those three schools. and uh, If you're going to play Jackson State, Alcorn, and uh, – Mississippi Valley anyway, play them at a neutral site, get a little bit of an RPI bump, and and play all those games at Pearl over a weekend.
1: That, and then go down to the coast as well the next year, something like that? Yeah, you can do
0: Biloxi. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea.
1: See, I love that. We're the idea men here. And I know people in the athletic departments listen to this show, so you're welcome. Do that just one time. Look, I know you don't want to sacrifice what will be for Super Bulldog weekend. If you had a crowd estimate for that Saturday game after the spring game when Ole Miss and State play, that's like a 16,000-people type crowd, right?
0: I don't know if they can get that many people in there. I mean, the record is uh, 15-5-something. That was also an Ole Miss game. Uh, They can beat that, though, right? I don't know if they can or not because I don't know that the stadium can – because they used to just you know force everybody into the outfield, and now that it's a little bit more – Civilized is the right word, but but it's just I don't I don't know I just don't know that they can have that record crowd anymore. You know, you don't have the grandstands anymore. You have the uh, the berms there, so I don't know. Oh, that's a good
1: point. Do they limit the amount of people that can go into the? I don't know. What what do you call them uh, in the outfield now? Because they're not the The trailers, obviously.
0: Oh, and the and the just just the 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 spots out there in the left field. Do
1: they limit the amount of people
0: that can go in there? I don't know if they have a limit, so much as they're just you know, there's just so much space. Yeah. Just start putting people
1: on the roof of that uh, the apartment thing out there.
0: They they already do that. There's a there's a uh, there's a premium seating area up there. Costs money to sit up there. Everything costs money nowadays, as I've learned. That's right. Um, Two
1: questions from the same guy here from the six six two. Actually, one's not a question, just a statement. Mississippi State has no chance of beating Southern Miss in the midweek.
0: Yes, well, this is uh, a guy that, uh, you know, he's not a big Mississippi State supporter. We'll just put it that
3: way. Doesn't appear to be the
1: case. He also asks... No uh,
3: chance on a midweek baseball game is a bold stance. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, North Alabama, or whoever it was, beat Ole Miss last year.
3: Kids' Day game, AM.
1: You know what I learned? North Alabama has not one, but two live Lions on campus. Really? It's awesome, man. Google it. It's like Mike the Tiger, but there's two of them. Uh, a male and a female live lion in an enclosure on their campus at North Alabama. That's cool. You learn something new every day.
3: As long as they don't get out.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's probably have some preventative measures there. But, Rippy, this question for you. What benefit does Ole Miss get by hiring a general manager? So, I, I guess they made it official yesterday. Uh, but the news broke, I guess, a week or two ago. But Ole Miss hired what is kind of the new trendy thing in college football, a general manager. So who is it and what does that do?
3: Matt Lindsay came from South Carolina. It's maybe the position and responsibilities are slightly different, but, I mean, it's personnel guy. It's like we're the Tyler Siski type of thing. So for and those who don't know
1: who Tyler Siskey is, what did he do?
3: He oversaw recruiting, like he was a head recruiting guy, player personnel, uh, development, that type of thing. So, like, I mean, it's, it's not like a new thing. They just, for whatever reason, like to change titles and names every couple years.
1: And hey, Dad, you said state has one?
0: State has a guy uh, in that role as well. His name's uh, Dave Emmerich, and his, his title here at state is chief of staff. So, like, the
1: political thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. H- has that spot, it always existed because people, the way they describe it, it's a new thing. Um, like LSU, there was an article about LSU hiring a similar person. It was just the, another example of Ed Orgeron's innovation. Um, but is that true?
0: At State last year under Moorhead, the guy's name was Andrew Warsaw, and his uh, title then was Director of Football Operations. So, again, that's sort of an NFL kind of title. Uh, but it's it's the same position, but it's a different position. Uh, different uh, title.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi, you can be a part of the conversation. Like Dave in Monticello, uh, 601-879-4395 on the C Spire text line. Dave says they ruined the left field lounge. I've seen that a few places and a few people say that. That is the
0: opposite of the truth. The left field lounge is... People don't like change. People don't like change, but... I made this comment on the show I think the other day that I went out into the lounge and it's you know five years ago in a packed weekend if you were in right field and you wanted to go to left field your best bet was to leave the stadium and try to come back in there was no going through the, the the outfield to do that now you can be across the field in ten minutes.
1: It kind of felt like there was going to be a disaster out there.
0: There's there's been no such thing. It has just been it it is better. It's better. It's no, just I mean the better. old one
1: like there was oh, go, that, there was yeah. going to be a a catastrophic disaster out there eventually.
0: I mean yeah yeah you had, you had some things that were just sort of put together I trust the, the
1: the redneck engineers out there like I I appreciate oh, yeah. that. I did it, it in my backyard with the television rig and it's awesome.
0: It hadn't happened but it looked like it might happen and that's just a risk the university wasn't willing to take it's. It's just better now, and the, I don't. I don't know. I don't know anybody. This is the first person I've seen since the stadium opened up that is still thinking that it's a problem.
3: What is the problem? Oh, I don't know what the problem with, with this particular person is. Is there a nostalgia factor to the old one? What's the like? What's the difference I, I think there's the that. Buildings? I think.
0: I think just part of the. I think you know the way they. Uh, I don't know if they like force some of the older people out by requiring more donations, which but that's premium seating. That's just the way it's going to be, so. and
1: I know people hate it, but especially in a sport that generally does not generate revenue. Even at a place like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they do make money, but not a whole lot. And so, if you can, I, I've only been to the old dude. I have yet to still go to the new one just yet. I, it's it's a terrible thing to admit out loud on statewide radio in Mississippi that I haven't seen the new baseball park in person yet. But I have been to the old one multiple times, and the look—just watching on television—it looks significantly better, miles better. The the yeah. old duty noble was dated. I know people loved it and the crowds were huge, but it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. This new it, it's look tough, is beautiful.
0: It's a tough pill for MSU fans to swallow, but prior to this renovation, state had maybe the the sixth best stadium in the and the uh, SEC West. You were state was behind Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, Texas A&M, and maybe you could say Alabama's new stadium. You know, all you really had going for you at state was that it was big. Now it is not only the best in the SEC; it's in it, it, my my opinion, it's got to be the best in the country. And it rivals—I mean, outside of some AAA program teams, it's probably better than most minor league stadiums are.
1: Hey, except for Quinnipiac, who apparently is going to spend the same amount of money on their new baseball stadium that Mississippi State did. Wasn't it them
0: really? No, that was – uh, uh where, is it? where did Kornheiser go to school? Binghamton? Binghamton, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Binghamton's
1: yeah. going to spend $60 million on their baseball stadium. Uh, yeah. Philip in Starkville says, I'd say the weatherman says Southern Miss has no chance at beating Mississippi State in the midweek because it will be rained out. Um, another text from the 662 that says, We had two spots in the old stadium. Now we have one, and whoever said they ruined it must not go to games. I've been going all my life. I love it now.
0: The, I have – Like I said, I know before they opened it up, there was a lot of concern. But since the stadium has opened and been fully available, I haven't seen anybody complain until this moment in time. And we get an interesting
1: question. We'll get to this next. I like this question because I think the Thanksgiving Egg Bowl thing needs to end, but not because of your question. So I'll explain. That was a really bad way to say we'll get to your question next. I love it. Here it is. Will Lane Kiffin at old Miss and Mike Leach at Mississippi State make this year's Egg Bowl the most watched Egg Bowl in recent history? I think there's a hurdle that the Egg Bowl could never climb so long as it remains on Thanksgiving. So we'll answer your question. Got a couple more texts as well. We'll get to those when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. So here's the question. With Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and Mike Leach at Mississippi State, do you think this year's Egg Bowl will be the highest-watched Egg Bowl in recent memory? So I'll answer quickly and tee it up for hey Dad and Rippy here, but I think simply the answer, number one, is, is yes. There will be more attention paid to this year's Egg Bowl than in, in recent history, and that will translate Uh, to eyeballs, but I think the Egg Bowl, and it's probably a double-edged sword because if you put it on Saturday, you deal with kind of the same thing. Maybe Friday would be a good solution. But the NFL being on at the exact same time, no matter who it is, last year it was Saints-Falcons. I I did the two TV things, so I got to consume them both, but most people, your average sports fan, usually sides with the NFL. When given the choice, the NFL will always beat college football, no matter if it's the Dolphins and the Bengals versus Alabama and Texas A&M. The NFL is going to do the bigger number. That's just how it works. So while the answer I think is yes, it's a shame that the audience can't be maximized to its full potential, because if the NFL didn't exist on Thanksgiving Day, that ratings number would be a top five game in college football for the year because of how popular these two guys are and how spicy the game is and, of course, being a standalone on football day Thanksgiving. But it won't be maximized, sadly, because the average person in New York City or Seattle or Houston, Texas is likely going to put on the NFL game before they check out the Egg Bowl. It will be the biggest number probably in a decade or more, if I had to guess. But it still won't be as big as it could be. Because it'll have to compete with the NFL. Probably I
3: don't know the what biggest. the number in fourteen or fifteen were because, that's, but you had actual like uh, playoff and uh, New Year's Six Bowl implications on those. You probably won't have yeah, that four, this year.
0: Fourteen was what I was saying because that game was on CBS. It, it had the two thirty slot. The Iron Bowl was slid to a, the the evening on ESPN. So that's going to be the the answer for that. Now, will there be a lot of national attention? Yeah, and, and honest, in all honesty. You know, when you go back to that 14 game, Ole Miss was already out of the playoff discussion. State was just sort of on the periphery. You thought they might slide in, but there was a lot of talk that Ohio State was going, even if State had beaten Ole Miss that day, that Ohio State was going to overtake them. But Mullen and Freeze at that point weren't the, the novelty act that Leach and, and, and Kiffin are going to be. So on top of the, the fact that they are both really good football coaches, Leach and Kiffin are. So I think you, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention paid to it. But the, the thing, the other thing to remember is this. What are these teams going to be if we if we get to Thanksgiving night and State's five and six and Ole Miss is four and seven, or either way, or reverse that? You know, who cares? So it's on those teams to have good seasons to to continue the uh, to drive up the interest beyond. Hey, we like these two head coaches. This is going to surprise you guys. So, the Egg Bowl
1: went head to head with Florida, Florida State that day. So the Egg Bowl was on CBS in twenty fourteen. The Iron Bowl was actually on ESPN that night. It was not on CBS that night. They used their second Alabama game of the year for Mississippi State a few weeks prior. So the Egg Bowl was up against Florida, Florida State that day and got beat by Florida, Florida State in viewership. Wow. Florida, Florida State had 6 million people. The Egg Bowl, only 5.1 million people watched that game on CBS. And the Iron Bowl had 14 million people watch it that night.
0: You got me looking to see what Florida, Florida State's records were because I don't recall that. I know that Florida team was not great because that's McElwain's or not, but that's Muschamp's. Last year they were seven and five. Now Florida State that year was thirteen and one. They were going to the playoff, but and had
1: the Heisman Trophy winner
0: had uh, had the returning Heisman, Heisman trophy, winner. trophy winner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, little well, breaking news here, by the way. Former Mississippi State head basketball coach Rick Ray fired at Southeast Missouri today. Just just came across the wire. I
1: don't mean to be mean.
0: I saw it. Gra- I, I, uh, I, I know where you're going to go. I know where you're going to go. And I saw this this post on this message board. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Six Packs Peak Message Board. Yeah, they have but, said,
1: actually, the people on Six Pack don't hate me that much. They
0: well, hate you, Richard you, more than me. Well, let's keep that going. But they made a good Love point. They said, when, when you talk about a coach and the first thing out of your mouth is, he's such a nice guy. Probably not a winner. And I like Rick Ray, and I thought he was a nice guy, but just not a great basketball coach. I think he's a really good assistant coach, and somebody will put him on their staff, and he'll do well there. But, I mean, he's 51-104 and 104 at, at Southeast Missouri State. I mean, that's just not getting it done.
1: Yeah, not going to get it done. Really appreciate your question, though. I, I like thinking about that, because I am shocked that that ratings number was not very good.
0: So the Egg Bowl in yeah. college
1: football world this year will stand alone, but, man, if it did not have to compete against the NFL...
0: Hopefully not Saints-Falcons again this year. I'm tired of not being able to watch that.
1: Yeah, You didn't get to see the shy total stiff arm on Matt Ryan.
0: I didn't get to see it. I had to watch the highlights, yeah. That was fun.
1: I'll I'll try to find... No, the NFL won't have that released yet, will they? So we won't know who it will be up against.
0: Not yet. About a month or so away.
1: If they could move that to Friday and have it stand-alone. Anyway, that's, uh, that's doing some future tripping. A few more of your texts... Uh, Coming in. Really fast first hour. Glad you're with us on this Tuesday. Uh, A bunch of stuff coming your way in hour number two. We'll turn back and also continue on with Mississippi State, South Carolina. That's the story of the day here in this state. Must win, gotta have it, have to beat South Carolina tonight if you're Mississippi State and you want to play in the NCAA tournament. All that coming up in Sports Talk, Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Two on this Tuesday afternoon sports talk Mississippi Michael Workey Brian at Brian Scott Rippey the dream team with you we'll start with a little breaking news in baseball the one of if not the greatest home run hitter currently in the game has finalized a big-time extension with the Brewers Christian Yelich seems a little cheap to me or maybe not we'll get the baseball guy's opinion on it A deal that will span from 2020 to 2028 and pay him $215 million. There will be a mutual option for 2029 as well. So Christian Yelich, eight years, $215 million. Did the Brewers overpay, underpay, or is that just right?
3: I mean, that seems about right to me. He's 28 at the prime of his career. You lock him up through the prime and you try to you know win a title in this current window that you have. They have a bunch of other dudes. They're up on the upper end of a payroll for a team that's not usually known for spending that much. A little surprising that they did this now because I know the owner had given off signs that they didn't necessarily want to do something like that at this current juncture. I think he made some comments on a podcast with them operating at a deficit or some excuse owners give not to spend money, but now they're paying their star player $25 a year. So it seems like a pretty good thing all the way around.
1: Wait. The owner of a Major League Baseball team, and a good one, claims that they operate at a deficit?
3: I don't know the exact comments. I, I could have that wrong, so I don't want to misquote him. But it was something about how they didn't necessarily want to spend big in free agency at this time, or whatever.
1: See, that, that kind of stuff, and that only happens in baseball, right? Because they don't have a salary cap. So yeah. you can just kind of spend however much you want to build your roster and you have some of these guys that, I mean only look at owning a major league baseball team as a business venture. or correct me if I'm wrong here. It certainly feels like a lot of these guys don't necessarily care about winning as long as the team's making money. And so why would I spend an extra 200 million dollars if I'm making money when I don't spend that? Um, is, is is that accurate for one and two, isn't that a great example of why? we need a spending floor, and you can add a salary cap too, whatever, but a raised spending floor in baseball to guarantee that all these teams don't throw out this BS excuse about not having enough money when all of them have enough money?
0: Do you think that uh, the the incredible amount of, of anger directed at the Red Sox for letting Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts just walk away, basically, directed some of this that they thought, man, if we let the Yelich go, we'll just walk away, we're going to have to deal with that as well?
3: I doubt it, because he was still under contract for at least two more seasons. And mm-hmm. so it's not like his impending free agency what was, was looming what or was something. Bet- had- what did Betts have left on his deal? Uh, I believe Betts had the opportunity to be a free agent after this summer. Okay. So they could have dealt him at the deadline. Anyway, Red Sox didn't handle that well, but I don't know if it was necessarily related to that. And I don't think the whole, like, if the, uh, if the the op- if the organization is operating at a profit, we don't care about winning, is necessarily... Uh, restricted to baseball. I would say you have owners like that across pretty much every sport. And but
1: they're the forced Knicks. to at least but but they're forced to spend the money to field a roster. They just fail at fielding rosters.
3: Uh, yeah to sure to guns. some degree. But I mean they'd spend money in baseball. It's just a like a, a the strategy of quote unquote tanking means not paying dudes, playing young dudes being bad and accumulating draft picks where you can win on the cheap and then add a couple of veterans uh kind of when your window is uh, I guess, open with the guys you bring through your farm system, but I don't think it's necessarily resistance to, like, spend money for the sake of, like, saving money as much as it's just, like, how the tanking strategy is set up.
1: So $215 million divided by 8. Do you, are you math guys? By eight.
3: That's $25 million and change a year. Okay. Yeah.
1: So the Brewers, a small market, but I don't know, if, does it work like that in baseball, really, c- compared to others? Or is Milwaukee considered a small market? in baseball as far as how much money they have and the I mean, ability it's a, to spend.
0: A, a mid market team at best. It's certainly not a big market team.
1: So they're well, spending I mean, yeah, twenty seven million depends. on He's a player. Really... Right? Twenty-seven a year on a player, and the Miami yeah. Marlins spent sixty-two on their roster last year. Yeah. The Pirates sixty-five. The Blue Jays sixty-six. The Orioles sixty seven. The Rays sixty-eight million on their roster of forty guys. When Milwaukee, a mid-market at best, is spending twenty-seven on one guy,
3: but look at it Easy. five years ago when Milwaukee wasn't trying to win. Like I would be interested yeah. to see what they, what to know what they spend in twenty twelve.
0: I'm sure at the end, end of the day, that if
3: you give me a I,
0: I could make this solution for you. Just go to the Premier League system, relegate some teams. I, I wouldn't say the bottom three, but I would say if you lose more than hundred games, you could be
3: relegated. I don't hate this idea, but where are you relegating a major league baseball club? Triple A,
1: independent league.
3: Let what them I mean, play the Kansas tri- City T Bones. That, that
1: every is
0: week. what happens in the English soccer. The the so the what top happens to teams, that
3: team's Triple A team if they're regulated to Triple A? That's a good question. What you do the way they do
0: it in, in, in England is you know the top three, or, or the, however it is from the whatever their Triple A system is called the championship over there come up. But the, you make a good point in that. What if it's not that team's Triple A team going up? So I don't know if you have two Triple A teams. I don't know how you would make that work. But you got to. I do feel like there needs to be some sort of pun. Look, I understand. You know, this is going to sound bad, but what the Astros sort of did—they—they—they they, they put together over a time period. But they—they were—they were constantly moving towards. Look, it's a process. So sort of what the Sixers did in basketball. But when you're the Marlins, and it's just—it's just obvious you're not. Attempting to put together a team that's going to compete for anything in the next decade, if you're the Pirates and you're sort of doing the same, there has to be some sort of consequences. Otherwise, you're just—it's just about—you know—it's just about—it's you know, just, about, just like a business in terms of we just care about the money. We're not actually trying to win anything.
3: And that's but not I think fair those teams are all trying to follow the Astros blueprint. Blue. Print, excuse me, but some of them just suck at it. And in the Marlins case, they've changed <laughs> ownerships a billion times and they have a bunch of larger issues. But I mean, the Pirates are what, two years away from making the playoffs? I think three out of four years, something like that. I think they were yeah. wild card team after wild card team, never won the division title. So it's just, I mean, you kind of experience the same thing in Cincinnati to where it's like most of these teams are trying to follow that model. It's just the problem is if you don't hit on prospects, you're just stuck in this middle ground, uh, you know, kind of for years at times. I mean, I'm trying to think. I know you were just throwing out they a need year, to.
1: by the way. Uh, in 2012, uh, Milwaukee was 10th in total payroll. Yeah. 97 million.
0: Obviously, Obviously, the Marlins, the Pirates, teams like that, need better scouting. They need to send their scouts to Lowe's, to Home Depot, to Walmart perhaps, and find what kind of trash cans the Astros were using. Were <laughs> they getting I'm rubber trash cans? Metal. I don't know. I don't know.
3: I'm interested to see what what Jeter does with the Marlins because I think their issue like the Marlins are a unique case from any other club in baseball just because of their relationship with South Florida uh the unstable ownership like if, if Jeter is actually serious about this and he keeps the team for six seven years I'm interested to see where they are in like four years from now I just want to
0: redo moneyball and the and Billy bean sitting there with his Scouts and they're like we we can't replace that trash can we have to we have to recreate him in the aggregate this is an idea.
1: Jeff and Grenade, a big fan of yours, Rip, He says you're spot on as usual. A text from the 662. The problem with hey Dad's system is that the Premier League farm teams are called junior teams, so the championship teams have no relationship yeah. to the Premier and League that, team. And that
0: is accurate. Those are separate franchises. Whereas with the Premier like the team I cheer for Chelsea, you have an under-23 team, under team, an under-21 team, an under-18 team, and that's your team. Those are your players that you can call up at any time. Chelsea can't just go calling up uh, you know aston well Astonville is in the premier, but uh Leeds, Leeds United, or something like that.
1: I love the idea of the relegation system. I don't know how it works there's, in American sports yeah. there's probably just too much money tied up into everything, but the Knicks should have been relegated a decade ago, but since they're in New York City, that would that would never happen here. I they're love kicking the Spike idea Lee out of them.
0: games now, for God's sakes.
1: Did you see? So in case you missed this, I know our listening audience isn't big NBA fans, but Spike everybody knows Spike Lee. And certainly not, Spike not big Spike
0: Lee fans, I would imagine, oh, but yeah, go Probably ahead. not.
1: But everybody knows who he is and knows likely that he's a big Knicks fan, been sitting courtside. God bless him for sitting courtside at every game for two decades. Uh, he got kicked out of the arena last night. And here was the Knicks PR statement. So usually public relations statements are meant to, like, say nothing and just kind of blow it over and, yeah, we're, we regret what happened and we're working to change our method to prevent this from happening again or whatever, you know, just a very we-say-nothing-with-words kind of statement. Here's what the Knicks public relations sent out today after Spike Lee got kicked out of their game last night. Quote, The idea that Spike Lee is a victim because we have repeatedly asked him not to use our employee entrance instead to use a designated VIP entrance, which is used by every other celebrity who enters the garden, is laughable. It's disappointing that Spike would create this false controversy to perpetuate drama. He's welcome to come to the garden anytime via the VIP or general entrance, just not through our employee entrance, which is what he and Jim agreed to last night. When they shook hands, the PR guy has had it with that stuff. That's for
0: sure.
3: When you—that's why I had yeah. it with quite a bit. I was about to say when your job as a PR guy is to defend Jim Dolan, you pretty much have the hardest job in sports.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, more of your text, and I promise, I keep teasing it. I'm going to get to it. The Saints are going to pick Jake Fromm. That's what some people say. We'll discuss that next in Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: No colors anymore, I-
1: Welcome back in to Sports Talk Mississippi. My guy Mike, Mike in Oxford, got me triggered. I'm a millennial, I use that word. He said, not NBA fans at all, we prefer real sports. Ooh. Bringing the heat. I understand. Different strokes for different folks. I get it. Baseball state here. We'll stick to baseball, I promise. Text here from the 601 that says, I heard Jake Mangum got the call-up to the Bigs. Any news on this? I assume, hey Dad, that means he's just going to big league camp. That doesn't exactly mean he's yeah. on the big league he's, roster.
0: Yeah, he's he's at spring training with the Mets right now.
3: They use extras. They bring, they bring people over to play late in games for minor league camp. It's the dude you see with no names on the back of their jersey and double-digit numbers. Kessinger was over there for... 84 or something, yeah. For Houston the other day, yeah. Yeah. So they just bring him over for days for a day or so from minor league camp.
1: Good opportunity for him, though, nonetheless.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. No, no, that certainly doesn't hurt to go and perform in front of the uh, the big leaguers.
1: You want to be a part of the conversation like Mike? By the way, Jeff Rippey says once Rowdy Jordan graduates, you will be his new man crush. He doesn't know how well that will work since you are uh, covering Ole Miss for the show. He's a state guy.
3: A lot going on there. Yeah, but Appreciate congrats you, to Jeff. you. Thank
1: you. Uh, if Maybe you want to be like Mike does. and Jeff uh, or Greg here, <laughs> Philip and Starkville, by the way, reminds us that uh, Binghamton's new stadium is really nice, but he wants to remind everybody that it, it will not touch what goes on here in the SEC. Yeah, different animal in baseball around here. Oklahoma State's new park looks beautiful, though. Almost done. Or is it done?
0: I don't know a whole lot about Oklahoma State beyond Mike Mike Gundy's lustrous hair.
1: They are building... Um, the pictures are awesome, if you feel like Googling it. A very nice, very good-looking uh, baseball stadium. One that would fit right in with the SEC West, if we're being honest. Well, maybe. maybe they are getting ready to pitch themselves in the next line of conference expansion.
0: Hmm. Would well, they fit...
1: Yeah, Would I think Oklahoma so. State fit in the SEC.
3: I think they fit better than Missouri would. <laughs> Stillwater would give some of the bottom tier SEC towns a bump in the rankings. Ooh, <laughs> ooh,
0: not a fan. I'm, t- I'm telling y'all, I went to when I went to Manhattan two years ago. That is an SEC town. They fit right in.
1: That's where it's headed. Rippy and I had this conversation in podcast form. I think it was last week. Somebody asked us about the next round of conference expansion, and where would it go? Because a lot of people think that it would just be about fit. Like, I've had conversations all the time with people around here, man, what's Clemson like? They would fit right in with the SEC, wouldn't they? And the answer is yes, but there's no chance that they would ever be invited into the SEC because it's all about television markets now. So the Or should
0: they take it? No. If, if, if invited, they have invited, they have a... They have a path that is so easy to the national title right now why would you want to start playing georgia florida you know possibly auburn alabama every year why play them in the take the scott strickland rule of playing power five teams and really really work it in there his rule was (laughs) don't play them in september play them in december and january same thing here don't don't play alabama in september play them in the playoff
1: um, yeah, for sure. It, it would be. It's an SEC town. It's an SEC atmosphere. It, it feels like it. Their nightlife isn't great. Actually, to tell you the truth, it's terrible. Uh, not a whole lot to do there after about 10 o'clock. But the, the sport atmosphere, I mean, even the baseball program's good. Nice little stadium they have there. It would fit. But it is exclusively about television markets and getting the SEC footprint in a place where it is not currently there. So Georgia Tech. Clemson, um, Texas, none of those would happen. Just simply would not happen. They would go to a different state. You'd look at one of the three schools on Tobacco Road Duke, North Carolina, NC State. Uh, The last two probably more likely than Duke. You'd go to Virginia, Virginia or Virginia Tech. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That's where the SEC would expand. If you are already in the footprint, there is a 0% chance that you are in the SEC in the next round of conference expansion. It won't happen.
0: And and he is right.
1: Gibbon Greenwood says nothing good happens after 10. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point.
3: Depends on who you ask.
1: <laughs> Mike in Oxford says Tulane fits better than Missouri. Hard to uh, hard to argue that. Missouri they, they, just does they, not fit. No,
0: they just don't. You know, they gave you St. Louis, you know, and I remember when they were brought in, they're like, well, he'll, they'll add a lot to basketball, and that hasn't happened at all. You know, they had that two year run in football where they won the East, and that was great and all, but, you know, that's that. And now they got a coach up there who's screaming about three star kids committing to him and taking pot shots at Ole Miss.
3: Yeah. Not, His name's
0: not Dan Mullen, but it you know, sounds similar.
3: Wearing sweaters. Nothing wrong with sweaters.
0: I'm a sweater it's guy. It's cold up there. Didn't you, didn't you hear the, there's cli- their climate is an advantage?
1: Yeah, that's why they're going to beat Florida, because they play when what, it's 50
0: degrees. What happens when the polar ice caps melt and we're all in an ice age, though? Oh, <laughs> advantage Texas A&M. I'm,
3: yeah, I'm not anti-sweater. It's just who's wearing it and how they wear it. Yeah, probably
0: a, a good
1: point. Last text here from the 662. I, for one, welcome our new Under Armour awful logo overlords, Indiana State, into the SEC <laughs>
0: The Sycamores. They
1: got rid of the Cursive Sycamores logo. They got rid of it. Lame. One of the best ones in sports.
0: I can still see that Larry Bird with the two cheerleaders on the uh, Sports Illustrated cover. Larry Bird, by the way, decent basketball player. Not great, but decent.
1: I lied. One more text here. Dang, Borky, you just crushed the hopes of all the Memphis fans demanding to enter the SEC. Never. There's not a Memphis fan out there that actually thinks that that's possible, is there?
0: Oh, I'm sure there's some, but... They're not right.
1: No, no, that that would never happen uh, ever. Uh, they could be winning. Well, they are winning at a high level, but they could be winning at UCF's level, and that would just further distance themselves from the opportunity of joining the SEC. All right, mock draft. I've teased it enough for an hour and a half now. Let's get to it right now. Uh, from the Athletic, who the Saints are going to pick in the draft? A lot of Saints fans down on the coast. Of course, glad you guys are listening to us down there. Uh, on the the Mississippi Gulf Coast, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver, Alabama, in the first round. That is a position of desperate need. Probably the only position of real desperate need on that roster, and uh, that would be a great pick if they can get the Henry Rugs in the first round.
0: I don't know that desperate is is the totally right word there. I mean, they need wide receivers, but I mean, if you would go back into next year with Thomas again and and Triquan Smith and, and Jason Hill, I'm not. You know, screaming about it. But that said, if you can get Henry Ruggs, by all means, take him. 4-2-8 at the Combine last week. Unbelievable. Uh, So, that's fine. I'm good there. This is not what
1: gets me upset about the Saints mock draft. Draft wide receiver in the first round, I think it's a no-brainer. It's a deep enough receiver class for you to do that. And it doesn't matter who gets picked in front of you. You still have a good crop. All good. First round pick, wide receiver, great. Second round pick doesn't exist. You traded uh, that away last year to get Eric McCoy, who's now your starting center. All good. This is what kills me. In the third round, and and people talk about value picks, I don't care. This mock draft, Saints reporter from The Athletic, Jake from quarterback from Georgia.
0: All right, so here's what I'm going to say. In the third round... That's an acceptable pick. I I did not click on the link until we started this segment, so I was thinking if that's their first-round pick, I'm going to lose my mind. I've seen some
1: that suggest that they're going to take a quarterback in the first round.
0: I've seen that, but it's been like Jordan Love or or something like that. Whatever. I'm not big big on the Jordan Love train, but whatever.
1: I don't think he'll be available there, but that's a different conversation.
0: In the third round... This guy was a productive college quarterback who was very limited by the system that he played in. They didn't take a lot of chances. I think he can make the throws. I think that would be a very good – not good might be stretching. That's an acceptable day two pick to possibly be the future franchise quarterback.
1: Possibly. He's also limited by – I can uh, see it. Apparently he's also limited by small hands. My wife, who's five foot – she claims five foot four. She's not five foot four. Um, her hand size is not that much smaller than Jake Fromm's. Like, just a few eighths of an inch apart. And she's 5'3 on a good day. He's got baby hands. On top of having every advantage possible around him and being just okay. Like, if you are going to look for an heir apparent for Drew Brees, why is it the guy that was just okay with every advantage around you? I just... The idea that you could use a third-round pick when you are so good at evaluating. The last four or five drafts for the Saints have been exceptional. And you are going to waste a pick when you need secondary help, you need offensive line depth, and you're going to pick Jake Fromm. Kill me now. That seems seems extreme. (laughs) Oh, man. Mike says, I thought it was Jake from State. From.
0: It's a Twitter handle.
1: It's not even a good. Anyway, more coming up. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Don't do it, Saints. Please don't do it. a really good text here. want to get to but first some dumb criminal news and likely brian scott rippey's best friend greenville south carolina my hometown a california man went to the hollis academy playground in greenville reached over the fence to hand kids playing on the playground flyers yelling out space is fake you're not on a spinning ball A teacher at the elementary school playground can be seen on the video that he took of himself and posted online of him doing this, ushering students away from the man who was wearing a blue sweatshirt with flat earth across the front as he yells, Listen, guys, they're going to teach you you live on a spinning ball. That doesn't make it true. It's not real. The floor is not moving A 1,000 miles per hour. He's 34-year-old Nathan Edward Thompson, of California. He was arrested by the Greenville County deputies and charged with public disorderly conduct in relation to the incident. That did not, however, stop him from posting the video online. The Greenville News reached out to him and he told them he's been traveling the country for three years, organizing conferences for people who believe the earth is flat, spreading his ideas. He said, quote, I was walking with my dog on a public sidewalk and used my First Amendment rights to tell these kids that large bodies of water do not curve. One student calls out on the video, are you crazy? Before the man drops a few pamphlets over the fence. In the video, before he walks away, he says, quote, I'm going to flat smack them. A phrase he said means that he's going to teach them about how the earth is actually not a sphere and it is flat. He said, quote, again, large bodies of water do not curve. Research flat earth. He yells to the children on the video. It's an eight-minute long YouTube video of him trying to convince little kids at a playground that we are not on a spinning ball and the earth is flat and their teachers are lying to them.
3: I'd like to get this guy's thoughts on rivers.
1: (laughs) I'm surprised you don't know him, Rippy. Rippy.
3: I was about to ask, is this a flat-earth normal guy or is the spinny thing another like fraternity or sector of the flat-earth community? It's
1: probably another this. sector. That would be my guess. But yeah. Going to jail for yelling at kids that the earth is flat. At Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Hidat, Brian Scott Rippey with you. A text here from the 601, and this will spin off into another conversation. He says the Saints trading... Uh, someone for Nick Mullins to sit behind Breeze for a year would be the best move that they could make. It's an interesting take on that. I would prefer them draft a guy if, like, a will or, not Wilson Love, that's the strength coach at Ole Miss. Jordan Love is available at that spot. But it's an interesting point, and I think there are guys out there that can be the heir apparent to Drew Brees that you know can be productive NFL quarterbacks that you could take and then also maybe draft a guy. That's an interesting strategy. And I want to spin this into the next conversation, which is another NFC South quarterback, Jameis Winston, was reported yesterday that he's going to enter free agency, see what else is out there for him. Tampa Bay certainly seems like they're not going to, you know, try to stop him from doing that to the point where he's even content being a backup somewhere. I've seen the Saints floated around as a landing spot for him. I can tell you with 100% certainty that is not going to happen but no Jameis Winston in Tampa anymore to the point where he might end up signing and becoming a backup somewhere else.
0: I mean, I just I don't know. What, What more do you need to see on film from Jameis Winston to know that he's probably not that good? So, I mean, on top of that, you know, I I wouldn't trust him to lead. He doesn't seem like a good locker room guy. Throws a ton of, he turns the ball over incessantly. I think backup NFL quarterback might be the the place for him.
3: It's an interesting case because he's been in the top, what, like eight, nine in the league in touchdowns and yardage since he's been in the league, but also by far the most in turnovers. Didn't he lead the league?
1: I mean, he led the league in passing last year.
3: Yeah, I, I imagine he gets a second start to shot start – I can't talk today – shot to start somewhere eventually. Not sure if it's immediately. I don't really know. What this, this is a crowded quarterback free agent market.
1: And uh, really according is. to a different report, Tampa Bay is in love, air quotes, with Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Well, they can't have him.
1: And if you remember, That's that probably to. came from when he just lit them up when Breeze was out. That was, that was his best game. game.
3: That would kind of fit Arian's demo of kind of getting a veteran quarterback that's stable, sturdy, See, Carson Palmer-esque.
1: He's going to have some suitors. I, I'm interested, so interested in, in him more so than I am with Phillip Rivers, to tell you the truth. I, I think it's you, Rippy, who's not really sold on his ability at this point. Um, if you made me choose right now, I, I mean, isn't it obvious? If you had, if you were the Patriots, if you were the Bucks, if you were – uh, Indianapolis, who's going to get involved in this? I mean, isn't the obvious answer Bridgewater over Rivers, or am I crazy?
3: Probably, I think R- Rivers ends up a Colt. Yeah, that that that's the landing spot that makes the most sense. I could see Tampa, but I think the Colts make the most sense. But yeah, I'd probably take Bridgewater. You get long. Probably, I don't know about upside or what Rivers has left in the tank, but you're going to get him for longer. That's for sure
1: potentially New England see there is there are so many things at work right now and it's going to take just one domino to fall which is Tom Brady for all of this to be figured out because if Tom Brady stays in New England then it certainly sounds like it's going to be Bridgewater to Tampa and then I mean Philip Rivers is not going back to LA where are his landing spots Carolina but they're keeping Cam Newton that you can throw that out the window Indianapolis may be the only landing spot for him. And so then L.A. drafts Justin Herbert, and what does Chicago do? If Tom Brady goes to Tennessee, then New England could be in the Bridgewater conversation. Maybe they bring in Philip Rivers. That's kind of crazy thinking, but the Brady domino, if he goes to Tennessee, starts a butterfly effect that will... Impact every division in the league, it feels like. But if he sticks with New England, there are more quarterbacks than spots in free agency right now if he stays there.
3: Cam Newton's probably still in there, too. Like,
1: you think, I think so? Were... You think the, the Panthers are actually not fully committed to him?
3: Yeah, I think they would trade him for the right price. They seem like they want a full reset,
1: which is why them keeping him doesn't make it either doesn't make sense or it doesn't add up. If they keep him, you're wondering, I mean, you're doing a full front office restructure and in everything you're you're changing except for the most valuable part of your franchise. Or they're just saying that for right now to try to get something in return for him.
3: Which is probably what that is. I haven't seen this much quarterback moving in a long time. I mean, it reminds me
0: of uh The year Breeze came to the Saints, where you had Breeze and Dante Culpepper, who at the time was, you know, a a big deal. And, I mean, that was only two guys that I remember, but those were two top guys that people were looking forward to seeing where they ended up, and now you've got just a ton of guys.
1: Tony and Clara says the Saints should do what it takes to get Swag Kelly. Somebody's going to give him a shot. I don't think it's going to be New Orleans.
0: Yeah, somebody will put him on the roster, but I don't see New Orleans being that team. From the
1: six-six-two, wait, Taysom Hill says he's a franchise quarterback.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a male model. I mean, you can say anything you want. I'm 6'6". It's six. America. Yeah, it's America. Act as if. That's what they taught us in the movie uh, Boiler Room.
1: That deal's fascinating, though, because if he tries to test the free agency market, he's not going to get what he thinks he is worth. With all due respect to him, I don't mean to be mean to the guy, but he's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a starting quarterback. And considering, like we said, there are more guys than spots right now, nobody's going to spend $15 million to keep him. So maybe this whole thing works out and he stays in New Orleans kind of by default because at least he's going to have a role there and he's going to play some quarterback if he stays in New Orleans. They're going to line him up at quarterback and – from word around the, the facility there and reading reports and columns and stuff, it sounds like if he does come back, they are going to make a concerted effort to give him more snaps just playing the quarterback position. So he can try to explore the free agency market, but it certainly sounds like his best, most viable option is where he is right now.
0: We'll see, I, I, the, the Saints situation, you know, I, they keep talking about Brady being the big domino, but the Saints have some dominoes, too. they have obviously keeping keeping Breeze, but Bridgewater is going to be a valued commodity. You don't know what's going to happen with Hill. What if you lose them both? Then you got to really restructure everything, and that's where Jake Fromm comes in.
1: Somebody in the 601 says he's got contacts now. His interception and touchdown ratio is going to go down. He actually got full-on eye surgery. What's crazy? Maybe he should have done
0: that, you know, before.
1: Yeah, when it was clear at Florida State he couldn't see. But, like, he could cut his interception total by 10, and he would still have 20. I mean, that's how bad he was a year ago. Yeah. More of your texts coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael working Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy, with you on a Tuesday afternoon. You want to be a part of the conversation. A lot of you have today. Great engagement. 601 879 4395 on the ceasefire text line. Really glad you're with us. And we'll continue with some of these. I'll keep reading them as long as you keep sending them. We get one from the 662 here that says Rivers to the Bucks. I think that would make a lot of sense for, for Philip because I think you could win with that Bucks roster. It's sneaky good. They were bad a year ago, record wise, but that offense should win them a bunch of football games. Like, I know they've got other problems, their defensive line is actually really solid. It's a good roster. They just had a guy that turned the football over two times a game. Including six times on the opening possession of the game. So, Rivers with that receiver group, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. I believe more in Tom Brady in 2020 than I would Phillip Rivers. But if you're him, it's a pretty attractive place to go if they want to get you, isn't it? <sighs>
0: Just feel like if you're Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay is not a no, decision. Oh Rivers, yes Rivers, yes for sure, for sure. That's a, that's a, that's the kind of a move he can make. You know, you got you got good young talent. You got a coach that understands the passing game as a good offensive coach. The only the only question is this. I mean, you're you're stepping into a, a tough division. I mean, I know Carolina and Atlanta have been down, but those are those are those are teams that talent wise if 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 we woke up in, in December and those teams have ten wins, nobody's gonna be overly shocked, I don't think. So that would be a tough situation to walk into.
1: Get another one here that says could be Dak to the Saints. That's an interesting interesting Just, thing. That,
0: but it's not gonna unlikely. happen. Yeah, because if, if Breeze were going, sure, maybe the Saints would try to make a move and, and take Dak off if, if 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 you know Brady were to end up in Dallas or something. But right now, no.
1: He's going to end up there. I mean, he got the exclusive franchise tag. They're going to work out a deal. It may not be as high as his agent is asking for, but I just don't see Dallas walking from it. I really don't. At the end of the day, a deal is going to get done, and he's going to continue being the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And in theory, we'll see how it works, but they will be much better coached than they were for his entire NFL career so far at least on paper, the the head coach upgrade is a big one. And so maybe it's finally to the point where he can actually win because he's not hamstrung by his head coach. And we've talked about his limitations. He has some compared to Russell Wilson and, and Aaron Rodgers, but it's not like he's a slouch out there. The roster's built to win right now, and now you've got competence at your head coaching spot It's an attractive place to be, and I think Dallas is not going to let him walk.
0: I don't I don't think they are either. And like you said, that exclusive franchise is interesting because they're gonna pay him for one year what we were talking about. They're gonna be in the the low thirties, you know, and then so that sort of sets that sets the stage for me to think that they will eventually offer him the the real deal contract, but we'll see.
1: Gibbon Greenwood says, Don't forget about Andy Dalton after the Bengals draft Burrow. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think the Patriots are kind of enamored with Dalton. Yeah. That, 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 Them stinking last there. year was not his fault. You can win games with Andy Dalton.
1: I've been to the playoffs can. a few times.
3: Yeah. He won three division titles. With but the two. Bengals. Yeah, two I can't remember if it's two or three, but yeah.
1: Bob says I think the Panthers trade McCaffrey in their first round pick to Cincinnati for number one overall. That would be massive.
3: If you're Cincinnati, idea, do you take it? No, the owner won't let that happen. He might should, but I don't think that I think I don't think he's going to allow that. If
1: you were Cincinnati, would you take it? If you were the yes. owner, if you were the GM, would you take that trade?
0: Yes. Say the trade one more time.
1: Christian McCaffrey, number one pick, or your first round pick, which is what get, like
0: fifth or sixth? I think it's
1: numbers uh, I'll I'll look it up to be sure. Let's see. Seven. So the number seven pick and Christian McCaffrey for number one overall.
0: Yes, take that pick. Take that, 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 yes.
1: Bradley and Mariette is asking about if uh, any XFL guys get a shot. Um, not to be a starter. No. But I think Jordan Ta'amu and Quentin Flowers, I think they have both shown, Ta'amu especially, that they deserve to be on NFL rosters. The problem I think with PJ ex-
0: Walker, if Houston too, yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Sorry. Not Flowers. PJ
0: Walker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cardell Jones was doing it, and then these last two games have been rough for him.
1: What were you going to say, Rippy?
3: I was going to say the same thing. I didn't know. I, don't, uh, I was going to say PJ Walker, I know, is put pretty electric.
1: So they'll, they both have shown that they belong on an NFL roster. As far as starters, there, there's nobody in the XFL that any of these teams looking for a quarterback would sign to step in and be a starter right away. Text here from the 662. If Dak went to the Saints, I would be saying, Borky would be saying, kill me now. That could not I be further from the truth. If they found a way to have Brees for one more year and the guy after him was Dak Prescott, I'd be thrilled, man. Sports Talk Mississippi. We
2: are
1: Five o'clock hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borkey, Brian at Brian Scott Rippey with you. And for the next hour, we will be doing Super Tuesday Democratic Analysis.
0: Word. I guess I can step out, but Rippey will certainly have plenty to say. <laughs>
3: I wonder if Gallo got my note. Yeah, Rippy left Gallo a note yesterday.
0: What What did it say? Hey,
3: Paul.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. We will not be doing any of that. Bad joke. But uh, glad you are with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Right now it is time for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford Ford dealers. For the better part of four decades, best-selling truck in America, the Ford F-150. Drive one today. Test drive one. You'll probably bring it home with you. Rates are down. You can refinance. Get a little extra spending money. Get yourself a new F-150. So we got a text, a question on the text line for your college football fix today. And, Rippy, I think this is probably the first time and maybe the only time you're ever going to be asked this question. Are you ready? Sure. Who's going to be the starting quarterback at Ole Miss this year? Oh. uh, I don't know, man. Talk to me in August. Or much less April. Uh, But that is the question. Who will be Ole Miss's starting quarterback and who will transfer In 2021. I I can answer that
0: on my end. If if, if he's interested in Mississippi State, I I can answer that. Yeah, who's going to be
1: the starting quarterback at Mississippi
0: State in 2020? It rhymes with A. Hey, Hostello. That's That's not enough of a clue. It's not. Oh, well, the KJ Costello is the answer.
1: (laughs) How much access are are you guys going to get to spring practice? Because this is the most interesting spring practice has been here in, in quite some time. If you remember last year, We barely covered it on this show. Access wasn't really all that great to begin with, but we didn't talk about it because, quite frankly, guys, you didn't care enough to hear about us talking about spring practice. Apathy had already started setting in, and we tried to do it a little bit, and the engagement wasn't great. You just didn't really care about it. This year is going to be a very different story. Spring practice coming up very soon. You are going to want to know every day about how it's going but how much access are, are the two of you really going to, to have? We'll start with you, Haydad. Do you have any indication of how much you're going to see, or is it just we'll find out on the spring game?
0: Literally do not know uh, at this point. Uh, of course, you know new staff – Everything's new, and a new, you know, director of media relations. They haven't announced who it is yet, and I don't know that he's even been hired. But Bill Martin, who has, you know, been here for so many years, uh, has stepped down. He took a a similar position at Tennessee. So not only do I, I mean, I've been still dealing with the guy who was uh, Bill Martin's second in command, Brandon Langlois, up here. But they haven't said anything. Nothing. I, I know when spring practice starts. I know when the spring game is. I don't know what they're going to let us do as far as viewing practice, getting to talk to players and assistant coaches, things like that. No no clue yet.
3: Any idea on your end, Rippy? No, I have no clue. They'll send that out an email eventually, but that has not happened yet.
1: I kind of have a feeling that it won't be much, and that's okay. We're, we're not going to complain about that here. I, I know you guys are going to want to thirst for that information, and trust me, we are too. Um, because you're going to care so much about the new system and who's acclimating and how does Costello look and is it Matt Corral or is Plumley practicing or is Grant Tisdale making a push? All of those questions, I have a feeling because all of those questions exist, you're not going to be able to see any of it.
0: Possible. Very possible. And I've heard conflicting reports about what Leach did up at Washington State. Uh, you know, I've heard some people say like, yeah, oh, you know, there'll we'll, we'll be a, a good bit of access," and then I've heard some people say, "No, no, he shuts everything down," and you might you might only get to talk to him like once a week. You might not even be talking to players. So, don't know. You know it's, it's 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 wide open right this second. Hope to find out something very soon. Like like Rippey said, same here. That there will eventually be some sort of email with a schedule and everything else. I think, like I said earlier, the, the state started waiting on to, you know who's going to handle football media relations. Uh in the coming weeks
1: and the beauty of our show is when that does happen And if you're listening and you're wondering why we're talking about access because these guys will be there Uh, i mean we will give you uh, sometimes even like they'll get on the phone at the grounds and give you what they see from spring practice if they get the access to it either way um very important springs coming up for for both programs i know you guys care so Hopefully, we'll be able to get access to it. But back to the question that started this conversation, it, we're going to answer it a thousand times. As Haydad said, obvious and startful. I mean, just like with Tommy Stevens. I mean, people talked that summer about who's going to start, and he ended up getting hurt, so it muddied the water a little bit. But you don't bring in a graduate transfer unless you intend on him to start at quarterback. So pretty cut and dry there at Mississippi State. But we'll get it once a week probably until August, Rippy, about this quarterback situation and is it going to be Corral and Plumley and all that stuff. But let's look at it this way. Ole Miss's returning starting quarterback, air quotes, is playing center field tonight.
3: Yeah, he is. John Rice probably drew the starting center field for Ole Miss tonight. As far as who's going to be the starting quarterback, like I said, I have no idea.
1: <laughs> Speaking of that, uh, we we, could, we do get a couple of texts here. This is the same guy that earlier in the show said that Mississippi State has no chance at beating Southern Miss tomorrow. He actually added to it. said, same thing for Ole Miss tonight. If they don't develop a four-starter, they're going to get smoked by Memphis. If you can't match a good hitting team's emotion, or excuse me, you can't match a good hitting team's emotion with average pitching. He also adds that he enjoys the show, been listening for 20 years, glad you are with us so let's circle back to that we talked about it earlier in the show in case you missed it you can find it in podcast form either on the website on demand supertalk.fm or wherever you get your podcast search sports talk mississippi you can find the show there listen to it in podcast form but we started the show with mississippi state basketball we'll get back to that in a second old miss and memphis baseball tonight rippy what do you think about what he just said? Ole Miss not having a fourth starter very early in the season obviously seems like they're still feeling things out. But is there merit to what uh, our friend here is saying?
3: Wait, sorry, repeat that again. What? What is? What about not having a? Fourth Ole Miss starter? is
1: going to lose tonight because they don't have a fourth starter. You can't match a good hitting team's emotion with average pitching.
3: Yeah, probably not true at all. I, I don't. I don't follow the logic behind that. I mean. This is not the first Mike Bianco. T- I mean, Mike Bianco seems readily have the same midweek guy start every single game, and a lot of the times that's because the first one is ineffective. So, uh, I mean, they very well could lose tonight, but it won't because won't be because they don't have a fourth starter cemented in. He's using this role right now to see what he has in a bunch of young pitchers: Wes Burton's of the world, Drew McDaniel, Jackson Kimbrell going tonight. I don't think it has anything to do with them just not having a guy capable of starting.
1: Fair enough so uh, we will see on on that front um i don't know did you learn anything from memphis this past weekend it's been a team that's kind of been a thorn in old miss's side over the last few years beating them in the midweeks a handful of times especially really drives the fans nuts um do you know anything about them think new audience here in the 5 o'clock hour
3: I mean, they had a kid with like 22 RBIs on a weekend, but aside from that, not a lot. Wait, they what? hit the ball pr- pretty well. Uh, yeah, Hunter Goodman sir, had 22 RBIs in three games, I believe, is the kid's name. But uh, no, outside of that, not a ton.
1: So he averaged seven and a third RBI per game.
3: He had a grand slam in each game. Yeah.
1: Oh.
0: I wonder if that's ever been done. He had in in the full weekend. He had four homers in three days with 22 RBI.
1: Who would we – I guess you would have to do a lot of research, but I, I would be willing to bet that that's never happened. Yeah, I mean <laughs> four, – Three grand slams in three consecutive games?
0: Yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one where I don't – I mean, 22 RBI might have happened if you play a terrible team in a three-game series, but I mean, it's not like Memphis is a power either. But a grand slam in three consecutive games, I can't imagine that that's – I mean, I don't know that that's happened in, in MLB. I mean, there's no way. You got me. You got me looking it up, and just just for just for uh, MLB purposes. I can't imagine it's that, that that's there though.
1: You want to be a part of the conversation? You can. By the way, that's your college football fix. Even though we spend a lot of it talking about baseball, it's just the nature of this time of year. Presented by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. While Haydad's looking that up, Kevin, I'll get to your text right now. What would stop the XFL from getting kids straight out of high school? You have kids that just don't want to go to college. If they come straight out of high school, then make them play three years in the XFL before they're eligible to play in the NFL. That is the current NFL rule. So you have to be three years removed from high school to play in the NFL. So that rule is already in place, and I don't think anything's stopping the XFL from signing those kind of guys. The thing is, football is very different from baseball and basketball. You are not physically ready to play grown man football when you're 17 years old.
0: Yeah, the XFL would be better served throwing a ton of money at Trevor Lawrence right now and bringing him in yep. and let him play next or whenever. But that's what they should have done anyway. Maybe for Justin Fields they could do that. So, by the way, the answer is it's never happened in the in MLB. It's 13 times they've hit back to back. Oh, that's a two in one game. Who? I don't know then. I can't. I have, I have to keep looking, I guess.
1: David says two in consecutive games, yes. Three, no. Wow. That is wild. More coming up. We'll talk Mississippi State basketball next at Sports Talk, Mississippi. Tonight in SEC Hoops, Tennessee goes to Kentucky, where the Wildcats are an eight and a half point favorite. That game. Is at 8 o'clock on ESPN. Half an hour before that, Vanderbilt goes to Alabama. It's on the SEC Network where the Crimson Tide are a 12-point favorite. And then the game preceding that in about, oh, nine, eight and a half minutes from right now, and we will lose some of you guys on the local stations for the broadcast, Mississippi State and South Carolina. The Gamecocks are a two-point favorite in the game. And, hey, Dad, as we talked earlier in the show, Absolutely critical. Got to have it. Can't lose it. Must win. Whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective or phrase you want to use, Bulldogs got to win tonight.
0: That is one hundred percent accurate. Like I said uh, at the early part of the show, I feel like it, it has a, an elimination game kind of feel uh, for Mississippi State. The the good news for State is this: if they win this game, it's it's really good for them. It's a quadrant one win that would give them three on the season. Um, you know, they they need that for the resume. I think this was just a game. You know, we talked about. How they beat Missouri and still dropped in the bracketology. Surely a win here on the road against the, in a quadrant one situation would bump them up at least a line or two. They might even be able to, to sneak into the, uh, what's it called? The last four in, which are the, the four at large teams that have to go to Dayton and play in the, uh, let's call it what you want, the play in game. So, yeah, huge game for Mississippi State. They have to find a way to get Reggie Perry involved. He was sort of a, a non-factor for most of the game against South Carolina uh, that was played in Starkville a few weeks ago. Getting him involved, keeping Tyson Carter, doing the things that he's doing, and then trying to get a contribution from Weatherspoon, from Woodard, from whoever else, that's the formula for victory tonight for Mississippi State.
1: Looking back at that game, Mississippi State won 79-76, just an absolute rock fight uh as Heydad just mentioned Perry kind of a non-factor he had a double double but it was 10 points and 10 boards uh it was just two of eight from the field hit six of his seven free throws though so he got to the line a little bit but still relative non-factor had a really balanced scoring night with uh, five other guys with at least five points and you had Witherspoon's best game and I mean maybe this season that night
2: yeah
0: yeah and you know Turnovers were a big problem for state in that game. I would go out on 22 a limb and tell you of that, them. Yeah, If they have 22 turnovers tonight, they're not going to win. I, mean, I just feel pretty confident. And you know, that was a game that state was up. I'll have to go back and look. They were up, I think, eight points with a minute to go and end up losing or end up winning only by three. And, and South Carolina had some opportunities there. That was the game where the, uh, the final minute took 17 minutes of real time. So. Hopefully not the same situation uh, tonight over there in Columbia. But, yeah, State needs to be aggressive, but they cannot be so aggressive that they're giving the ball to South Carolina giving them extra opportunities because they will take advantage of that.
1: Mississippi State was up 9 with 424 left in the game. They were up – that's right, 8 with 50 seconds to go in the game and 1 by 3. Yeah,
0: yeah. So let South Carolina back into it a little bit and – on the road that that could easily have turned into a loss so this it's just such a i talked about it on the podcast today uh that the mental grind for state i mean it feels like they've been playing elimination games for a month and a half um hopefully it hasn't caught up with them yet uh because they just have to, you know two more to get through and then you'll see what happens when you get to the SEC tournament but this team is you know They're ten and ten and three in their last SEC or the last thirteen SEC games. Ten and four overall since that zero and three start to SEC play. They're playing really well. It's sort of the same thing we talked about yesterday with baseball, how that Texas Southern loss sort of taints everything for State in baseball. The Ole Miss loss is sort of the same thing. If State had beaten Ole Miss, or even if they had just lost by maybe two or three points, I don't think everybody is is as freaked out. And honestly, if they had beaten Ole Miss, they might be on the right side of this bubble. But that said, and of course they have the two buzzer beater losses that are, that are hurting them too. But then you lose that game in that manner and it just gets people all worked up and which, you know, I understand, you know, it's a, it's a rivalry game. and You want to win it. Um, but that said, I mean, they've, they've really played good basketball since that 0 and 3 start. And even in the 0 and 3 start, there's that buzzer beater loss to, uh, to LSU. You let Auburn throughout the first half and Starkville and just let it get away in the second half. So they haven't been, they haven't been that bad this year, but they haven't been good enough either.
1: So, absolutely critical game for me. I was about to say, by the way, uh, that you mentioned the battle-tested thing. Uh, well, you know, that's a really veteran basketball team, so they should be able to weather this kind of storm. Experience-wise, yeah. A lot of dudes played a lot of basketball. I don't really have – I mean, they have Witherspoon, who's an upperclassman, but Reggie Perry, who who you rely on heavily, only a sophomore. Yeah. it's it's not the oldest team out there but you've just you've heard these names for so long because yeah. they've been playing we have since Carter
0: they were. Carter and Adu have been our veterans you know is a junior and's been starting a while Carter obviously has been starting a while they have a lot it's it's they don't have a lot of seniors it's just Tyson Carter but they do have a you know there's are There's six guys. I guess I shouldn't say six because D.J. Stewart's a starter. They have five guys who have played as many games, though, as probably just about anybody else in college basketball has.
1: Speaking of basketball, in the state of Mississippi last night, a moment that went viral worldwide, uh, right just a few miles from where I sit right now in my backyard, Jackson State, Thomas Snacks Lee stole the sports show last night. The uh, student manager... For the Jackson State Tigers, did this is what it sounded like on the uh, the TV stream call uh, when Snacks came into the game last night.
2: Snacks is in this game, man. With two o five to go, Thomas Lee in the ball game for Jackson State. Second seconds to go. Jonathan James trying to get it to him. Jonathan James gets it to him again. Here's Snacks with three. Snacks busted. Snacks. It's the three.
1: Man, just showing out for big guys everywhere.
0: He he pulled up from the same spot LeBron pulled up from on Sunday night. Maybe in New Orleans.
1: even further. That's like yeah. forty three feet with confidence. Just he's dra- got
0: range, getting off the bus. Does snacks?
3: Shout out was, to snacks. Great nickname, by the way. It was Clay Thompson asking. He was trying to get fifty on like six dribbles, but he. He, if you see, so I watched Sports Illustrated posted the full four minute video of his time in the game. Like it was basically just the radio broadcast synced up to the game film, and it is classic because he goes in and the first possession he's on like the back end of his own. And the play, by just goes snacks is a big old boy now. And then the next three, the next, the next three and a half minutes, they're just saying different variations of get snacks the ball. <laughs> Pulled up from the. The side
1: logo, man, just with confidence. And that was, his th- three.
3: that was at least his third attempt. He pulled up basically from like the end point, like they're mid- between the three point line and their uh, half court line earlier. He pulled three of them from an average of no less than 27 feet. Shoot or shoot. And then, and then after at the end, they got another turnover and they threw it away. Like they threw it back to him because he was like snowbirding. As the the uh, the clip that's gone viral doesn't show that, but uh, they they overthrew it and he couldn't catch it before it came back out of bounds. But he almost had a breakaway dunk or layup, whatever it may it may have been. But yeah, he had a chance to get double figures.
0: Oh my gosh,
1: Thomas Snacks Lee. I mean, it's everywhere. It, it is. It's
0: on Sports so, Center. It's everywhere. We're a day late, but winners and losers. Snacks is the winner.
1: Thomas Lee, the student manager at Jackson Snate. Jackson Snate. Jackson, Jackson State.
3: Snate. Um,
1: Jackson Snate sounds like a like a bad cover band. Um,
3: Jackson Snacks.
1: <laughs> they gotta rename the mascot Snacks after that, but awesome moment in basketball in the state of Mississippi last night. It's almost I, mean, I know as Rippy said, there were like four minutes of missed shots, but it's like every time you throw the student manager in there, he's gonna drop a bucket and it's gonna go viral. It just happens that way, like a magnet yeah. on a basketball or something.
3: It's good stuff. That was the best thing I'd seen in a while.
1: And then, after he makes the shot, he's just like pumping up the crowd. There's a guy running by him with the basketball. Could not care less. I mean, they're beating Pine Bluff by a billion points at this point. But still, like, could not care less about the goings on of the game. He drained a forty-five footer. I'm just going to keep extend expanding how far he was, but drained a forty-footer and just could not have cared less about anything after that.
0: As well, he shouldn't.
1: I love it, man. That's a awesome moment. Uh, we'll retweet that right now. If you follow us on Twitter and you haven't seen this video, um, congratulations on living under a rock. But in case you haven't, we will retweet that right now so you can see it. Thomas Lee, he's a winner. We can do winners and losers on Tuesday. Uh, Thomas Lee, Jackson State, student manager, is a winner for that performance last night. you want to be a part of the conversation, you can. 601 879 a few comments on this uh, multiple Grand Slam and consecutive games thing. We'll get to those next. And uh, a few more NFL rumor stuff circulating around the draft right now. We'll get to next. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey with you. And during the break, Rippey sent me a link to a longer version of of the snack shot and guys this commentary is too good not to play (laughs) we're laughing during the commercial break the the commentators on this thing just capture it perfectly from jackson state tv i've got to play you this this starts when snacks enters the game and then i'll cut it off right after he makes the shot but all of this is just perfect it's too good of audio not to play on this radio show right now this is Snacks last night, and the commentary with it, making the three for Jackson State, but it takes him a little while to finally get that shot to fall.
2: Oh my goodness. So we have a basket by Roland Griffin. Snacks getting up, and he will come into the ball game for Jackson State. He's at the scores table. Jackson State extends to a 72-46 lead. Snacks is in the ball game. Snacks is in this game, man. With 2.05 to go. Thomas Lee in the ball game for Jackson State. This is his first time playing for the Tigers this season. Snacks, we're number 35. Way to bump on that free throw. All right, here we go. Snacks on defense. Snacks is a big old boy. Let's see what he can do. He going? Under two minutes to go. They try to go inside to Carter. Pine Bluff now, with the ball, Here's Campbell, bringing that ball around, into the hands of McNair, out to Carter, they swing it around, attempt for UAPB, no good, Snacks tipped it, they shoot over Snacks, and a basket made by UAPB. Come down, Snacks, you gotta get that ball in, you gotta get that ball to Snacks right now, if you're Jonas James, you gotta put the ball in Snacks' hands. Here's Snacks with Snacks, and it's an air ball, but it goes out of bounds, and then we'll go back. <laughs> <laughs> Snacks shot it from the other side of the spike side. A minute 25 to go. Snacks in the ball game. Here's Pine Bluff with a missed shot, but he tapped it right back in. One fifteen left. They're going to know. You know they're going to give it back to Snacks. Snacks, the manager for Jackson State. JSU almost lost that ball out of bounds and then will stay with the Tigers. One minute, six seconds to go. Thomas Lee, better known as Snacks, in the ballgame for Jackson State. And they get it to Lee. It to Snacks. Snacks shoots from midcourt. Snacks almost hit it. Wow. <laughs> 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 this is the most intriguing part of the ballgame. 3.55 left. No good. Rebounded by the Golden Lions. Knocked out of bounds. And it will stay with the Lions with 58 seconds left. Snacks shot that from the J on the floor. Yes, he did. Snacks didn't dribble. He didn't yeah. move. Uh-uh. He, he just did. shot it from the J. Snacks, five Five up inside in the Golden Lions score. Making it 73-52. Will they give it back to Snacks? Snacks got to get that basketball. Jonas James has it. He'll give it to Snacks. Snacks for three. Oh, off the back iron. No good, Snacks. Over for 3. five <laughs> <Okay. laughs> up in the meantime, scoring off the misses by Snacks. Okay. Get up, get up the again. 38 James. seconds to go. Jonas James is trying to get it to him. Jonas James gets it to him again. Here's Snacks for three. <laughs> Snacks busted. Snacks. Snacks. It's the three. Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> out three. Oh, uh-huh. buried the three for Jackson State. Nailed that three-point shot. Wow. Oh. Rebound. seconds
1: to go. This goes on for deal. another two minutes.
3: Oh. And
1: he does not play snacks. one lick of defense after that shot.
3: He didn't cross it. half court. He hit the three and stayed on that side of half court for <laughs> both possessions.
0: Oh, my gosh. Snacks is a volume shooter, guys. He's, he's, he's gonna get his points, but he's gonna take his shots to get there. He's like, he's like a young Kobe.
1: He shot that from the J. Yes, he
0: did. <laughs> yes, he did. We gotta get Snacks on the show. Never mind this. We gotta get him on the show. We are working on that. All right. Hopefully we'll have it, uh,
1: have it ready for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> snacks. Love it. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know how you transition from that, but we're going to try to do so anyway. Some rumors yesterday floating around in the NFL. Here's a few of them. By the way, we haven't talked about this yet. Speaking of rumors in the NFL, did you guys see Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, sitting next to Jimmy Fallon for some reason at the Syracuse basketball game FaceTiming with Mike Vrabel? No. Somebody with an eagle eye, like five rows back noticed that they were facetiming somebody and since the technology on our phones now is just absurd they started a video zoomed in clear as day facetiming mike
0: vrabel Did, rippy are you okay over there you getting a little tingly
3: <laughs> i saw the video they're uh they're uh Brady and Vrabel are friends. I'm assuming he knows Edelman as well. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high.
0: Why Why Syracuse, by the way? There's not a Syracuse alum in that bunch.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't understand that at all. Sitting courtside at a Syracuse game. and like, It's such a random group. Like Brady, Edelman, fine. Brady, Fallon, like if they were at dinner in New York City, sure. But Brady, Edelman, Fallon, Syracuse basketball. It's like a mad lib.
0: It's something. I'm not quite sure where 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 it went.
1: I think it's going to happen. I really do. The more I think about it, the more I expect it to happen. Because there's a real chance that they're not going to be a disaster because they never are. But there's a real chance for the next two years the Patriots are are unable to compete for a Super Bowl.
3: I mean, don't you think you're selling Belichick short?
1: I I am.
0: I feel like you are too. Yeah.
1: And they're probably still going to win a division, but there's a difference between winning a division, ask anybody in the NFC East last year, and competing for a Super Bowl. I wouldn't count last year as being a Super Bowl contender.
3: No, I didn't think they were last year, but I mean, they were an inexplicable loss to Miami away from being a bye team. And then they
1: got basically blanked at home. You know, I, that's that's where I fall. Is they were offensively they were non competitive against the Titans. Now that's the team he could go play for. Coached by a friend of his.
3: It will be interesting. I will believe him not back in New England when I see it. Yeah, I'm. I'm
0: I'm going to need to see him holding up that jersey at the press conference before I'll, I'll buy, into, I, buy into anything else.
1: I have completely talked myself into it. I think it's going to happen. And that would be, to me, so good for the NFL. And I can't quite figure out why I think that. A Part of it is it, the Patriots are stale. I don't think Brady's stale. I think Brady with the Patriots is stale. It's... Their games aren't interesting during the regular season. They play in a bad division. I mean, is Patriots-Jets really compelling? No. I mean, their toughest opponent in this coming season is probably going to be Buffalo, and Brady and Buffalo has been nothing for years. There is, I mean, all season where they don't play compelling football and throw him just anywhere else but in Tennessee, I think that generates... So much more intrigue for me. I, I want to see it happen. Simply because I am i don't care about watching him with the Patriots anymore. I feel like I've seen it. It's been done. It, it doesn't pull me to him. But for some reason, him anywhere else, but especially in Tennessee, playing with Vrabel, with those wide receivers, that running back, that pulls me to him again.
0: I'm trying to think of a... And there's not going to be a great option for this because nobody's won that many Super Bowls before, and then was just sort of, you know, you look at Jordan, he had retired and then went back to the went to the Wizards. It's not like the Bulls let him go to go to the Wizards. So I don't know if there's a good example for this or not, but it's just it's just odd. Montana as a chief. Yeah, I guess that's the one, right? <clears throat> How did you get that and not me with me being older than you? That's just not smart of me.
3: I could probably think of one or two more. Baseball. If was a Arsenal. jet, I mean, yeah.
1: Manning won a Super Bowl in Denver.
3: That's
0: true, but I mean, he won one Super Bowl. This is six. It's just different. Right, to yeah. Me, you know, I mean, there are a lot, nothing against Peyton Manning, who now has two Super Bowls anyway, but. At that time, I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks that have won one Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. Joe Flacco, Trent Dilfer, well. Trent Dilfer, Joe Flacco, things like that. So,
1: by the way, Joe Flacco unveiled a new set of socks that you can wear, but they aren't licensed by a team, so it's two socks that, when you put them together, are Joe Flacco wearing just an all navy blue uniform, helmet, jersey, shoulder pads? It's just blue. Like doesn't have a team logo or anything on it. So if you want to buy those, you can. That was in a press release in my email today. I guess it worked. Are they elite socks? They're very elite socks. They look elite right. to me. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi media production.